Hello, and welcome back to another special episode of Deep Dives with Tremika Benjamin, a podcast focused on impactful strategies to move higher education institutions forward. I'm your host, Tremika Benjamin, and to continue our special workforce development series, today, we're going to talk to Dr. Daria Willis. She's the president of Howard Community College in Columbia, Maryland. We're going to discuss today the importance of building workforce programs that meet the needs of the community and ensuring that those programs are equitable and accessible for students. And if you don't know Dr. Willis, you're going to know her today because she does not hold back. She gives you straight truths, and she also really gives us what's in the future for her workforce programs. So let's dive in. Dr. Willis, thank you so much. I think that even, I think our second season, we tried to get time together, and now we're in our third season, and we finally made it happen. So thank you so much, Dr. Willis, for taking the time to spend with me on Deep Dive. So do you mind if I call you Daria? No. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> That's a weird question because when we talk to each other, we're oftentimes on first name basis, but I have to ask. Uh, but if we was on campus, I'd be like, it's Dr. Willis. Exactly. <laughs> but because we're doing this, absolutely. It's okay, Darius. perfect. Mm-hmm. So we are here to talk about workforce. And I know that you are doing some really cool and amazing things at Howard Community College. So first, why do you think, just with everything that's happened since the pandemic, why are colleges, institutions, presidents, CEOs making this shift from these traditional age students who are trying to transfer, although they're still important, but why are they making this shift in priority over to the career education and workforce development? That's a really great question. And it's one that I've had to talk to my campus about on several occasions to say, people aren't having babies anymore. Hello. (laughs) That's true. Our high school populations are dwindling. Um, I was just reading an article not too long ago about the fact that people are having babies later and families are becoming much more smaller. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I was in Syracuse, New York, I said, we need to be looking at our adult students. And I didn't have all this data to say what was happening with the populations and shrinking and all of that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's a true scenario. So especially with community colleges, when we are so driven on our FTE, our enrollments and getting butts in the seats, and then you have programs like Jumpstart and Dual Enrollment that's eating away at that high school population that traditionally would graduate in 12th grade and then come to you, we're pulling them earlier. Mm -hmm. So at some point, we've got to find another route to that. And so that's one piece. But I think on the second piece is, from an equity standpoint, if we're really talking about serving the entire family, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then we need to also be looking at the adults who are within these families who need to go back to school to be educated as well. So it's not just the student and the child that we're looking at, but it's a two, maybe even a three generational approach to going back and taking the entire family, the moms, the dads, the grandparents, and bringing them back in for this type of education that they had probably been denied for so long. You know, as you say this, you, I, it's a really interesting perspective because as you say say all of this, I think about how colleges throughout the country have open houses and info sessions. And we, especially when we start thinking about the diverse populations of bringing family members into that conversation about mm-hmm. college, rarely do I hear 
that conversation also evolving into, and let's have conversations with the parents about this thing called workforce. Most of the time it's, and let's also see if those parents can get into some of these four credit classes, which you and I both know, that's a long Mm -hmm. haul compared to, you know, short-term certificates and degrees for them to upskill. So that's a really interesting point. And what do you think about the challenges of something that a lot of institutions face? You have business and industry on one side saying, these are the programs, the certificates, the type of education that I need a person to have in order for them to work in my hospital or in order for them to work in my bank or in order for them to work in my factory versus inside, we're going to keep doing what we're doing in our four credit classes and then our workforce is over there to the side doing their own thing. How do you marry those two conversations? Because one is a speedboat and one is a massive speed ship that ain't trying to budge. So how do you do that? How do you merge those two? Prior to the pandemic, that was hard to try Mm. to merge those two. When I was at Everett, I remember having a conversation with the college and I had some, and it's not just an Everett thing. You can find this in any institution across the country, but just to get the faculty to see that the business industry wanted this. Mm. This is what we need to provide. And no, we can't spend 20 years to get there. And these are the same people. And we said, okay, but here are some of the classes that we need to offer. And we probably need to do them online in a fast pace. We had faculty to say, no, 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 our students can't do that. But guess what? When that thing called COVID-19 hit, Mm -hmm. and I was in Washington State at the time, and we were one of the first to get hit by this unknown virus, right? When COVID-19 hit, the same people who said we couldn't teach this stuff online were the first persons calling me saying, oh my God, I've already transitioned my syllabi. We're close to college. We could do it, right? (laughs) So now, like, we're not after the pandemic. We're still in it. We've had to learn how to be a bit more agile and flexible and a little bit quicker at these things. How do you sustain that, though? So let's say fast forward to five years from now, you know, hopefully the pandemic will be a thing of the past and our historians will be able to start writing about the Mm -hmm. impact of this pandemic. But how do we sustain the innovation that we've had, especially in workforce? Because in my opinion, workforce is the foundation of the mission of community colleges, right? So how do we sustain this? How do we keep colleges with this mindset of we cannot go right back to the old ways of just traditional four-credit programs? You're going to be obsolete. When I look at our enrollment numbers, I've told my college, if we don't do something and do it now... We're going to have some serious problems five to 10 years down the road. And it's not trying to create the scare factor with people, Mm -hmm. but I'm just giving you the real honesty here. People aren't having babies. The world is changing and the way we work. I mean, look at people working from home and all this telework and all of that that came with it. Now we're trying to shift people to come back into the office, but we're still giving them two to three days of telework and la, la, la. But I've said to my campus, dude, We are here as a public institution, so we have to be open and available. But to me, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, if we don't act and act now and continue to change and to be proactive and not reactive, then the same institutions that say that they can't do it, they're going to continue to close. And we saw that during the pandemic. 100%. How many higher ed institutions had ended to up close, close or, merge. or merge or something along? Oh, it's not going to happen to me. And then when it hits you on your front doorstep, then everybody's sitting around looking like boo-boo. Right. So. Exactly. And I also think about when you look at business and industry, 
sometimes our community colleges are moving so slow to deliver the outcomes and the mm-hmm. certificates that's needed that these business and industries start making to create it up them themselves. themselves. Yeah, exactly. They doing it themselves, or you have your library systems that are doing it. You have places that traditionally never delivered educated, that. Right. right. And now when the community colleges say no, they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you sit back and wonder why. Well, because you said no four or five years ago. So what other um, Or you said it would take three have? years in order for yeah. the student to be prepared to come to work at this bank. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. So people have created their own. And it's interesting because I, I do understand that when we think about this topic of workforce, it, it's so much different than the traditional infrastructure of four credit classes because it was, you know, of course, through program review, you would be able to modify and change based on successes and failures or whatever of the of the individual programs. But when you get into this concept of workforce, it's very much like an entrepreneurial business in each one of these different program offerings, which I, quite honestly, that's fascinating to me because that means we're, we're literally responding to the needs of the community that we live in, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of responding to the needs of the community we live in, you know, there we had an episode where um, with Broward College's uh, president Gregory Hale, and they have. I don't know if you've heard about the Broward Up program. I Everybody's think were, heard about the Broward Up program yes. and all the money they got. And shout out and props to just that wonderful work. It's, yeah, it's amazing absolutely. work. Um, I am just in Celebrating awe of what of that. that group has been able to do. Yeah. Now, understanding that, it, you know, Broward College is a very large institution. It also has a very large service area that mm-hmm. it has to serve, mm-hmm. whereas Columbia is smaller. And not just because it's smaller, bottom line is one size does not fit all. Fit, whether it's an enrollment strategy, whether it's a strategic plan, or whether it's a workforce division or initiative. So... How do you determine, and I'm, I'm asking this to you because as the new president of Howard Community College, how do you determine what your community needs knowing that you need some form of an infrastructure of workforce? I think that's a really good question because this is the first community that I've ever been in that is very affluent. Mm-hmm. And mm. so when I was in Texas, all they talked about was workforce and getting people skilled up quickly. The same thing in New York, the same thing in Washington State, the same thing when I was in Florida. Then I get out to the DMV in the third most affluent county in the nation, according to U.S. News and World Report. Yeah, you can check me on those numbers. It's a very different conversation about workforce. But the underpinning of, or the underlying notion, there were so many families that I've talked to over the last year that said, I don't want my kid to go and get a four-year degree. They don't want to do that. But we didn't have anywhere else to put them. So they force them into these programs. Those babies aren't successful. Then they come back to the community college and now they're taking some of our apprenticeship programs. I also had a legislative breakfast mm. with our elected officials last this past December. And I presented a chart or a map rather. And I had Howard County in the center. And on the outside, it showed all of the communities next to us that have a workforce technical or trade center. And guess what? We're surrounded. Wow. We've spent 52 years proselytizing about the need for transfer and a liberal arts education, which is great. However, when you look at our data at HCC, even though we're so affluent, we are nearing 50% of our student population that is on Pell Grant. We are nearing 50% of our student population that's taken out student loans. One of the places on my campus that students frequent the most is not the game room. It is our food pantry and service center there. 
So yes, we are affluent. However, there's a big disconnect as to what our families, the real families that live there actually need. Now, and I also want to say this, I'm not saying that underrepresented populations should be relegated to workforce, technical, and trade skills programs. I'm saying that when we create these programs, we're going to link it with our business department, with our entrepreneurial departments, because I don't want to just train people to go out there and punch a time clock. I want to train people to start their own businesses, to go out and make their own money, and to be able to support their own families. And so for us, it's not a matter of we need to take the services to the community. The community has been asking us to do these things, but we've said no for so long because we've had this ideal of who Howard Community College is. We send all of our kids to Harvard. News flash, no, you don't. Right. So that's been what we've been working on. And I have to say that the community has truly embraced it. Families have come to me and said, thank you so much for just recognizing that not all kids need to go that route and that, you know, you can make six-figure salary. Right. Easy. While people like me with a PhD in history still trying to pay her student loans. Hello, somebody. Right. So, you know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So it's interesting because you're talking about this concept of equity. And I've seen situations where, you know, when we go on some of our campuses, I see that colleges, it's interesting, they treat their workforce programs over to the side as if they're like an old, they're this separate thing. So they, workforce students don't have, you know, student IDs. Workforce students don't have the same basic infrastructure that um, an actual four-credit student would have. What do you think that does for retention? What do you think that does for the ecosystem or, or the on and off ramps of workforce living in and outside of a college? I think that's an issue when you look at if you really have a culture of care and belonging on your campus. Hmm. So I don't care if students are part of your ESOL program or they are undocumented or if they're in workforce programs, every student that comes to that campus needs to see themselves there and they need to be a part of every piece, the fabric of that institution. If you're taking a class and you're an old person, you get a student ID, whatever that looks like. So, and that hits home for me because we are going on a campaign this year with our elected officials and such to raise money so that we can start scoping out what our new trade center will look like. And we have some people who have said, well, put it over there across the street from the college because we need our parking spaces. Newsflash, the parking hasn't been filled since before COVID. I think we're okay. We got two beautiful parking garages. We'll be fine. Because if we put it on campus, then we're eating up our parking. But I said, it's not a parking issue. How is it going to look if we put our workforce students across the street, over over there, there, and I got to walk, you know, across six lanes of traffic or four lanes, whatever it is, to get to main campus to access all of the resources that we have for everyone else? So, no, I'm looking at putting it right here in the middle of campus next to our um, science, engineering, and technology building, right down a couple steps away from our allied health sciences building. Why? Because all of these programs can be truly interdisciplinary and talk to each other. But if we relegate those students as an other, then they're not going to stay. And then you'll have the same problem that you had before 
where students are like, this isn't an institution that really sees me because I'm just a welding student or I'm just in an electrical program. You're not just anything. I want all of our students to be able to have the choice to pick whether or not they want to be in plan A or plan B. And both plans should be presented to them equally. Hmm. Both of them should, whether you want to transfer or you want to go out to work, they are an equal uh, playing field. And all of them will be on main campus because they are not an other. They are part of who we are. Wow. Well, I was going to ask you what was next with HCC as it pertains to workforce, but it sounds like you've got a building in the works. I've got a building in the works. When is when is this happening? Mm, well, I don't know yet. Um, <laughs> We just uh, unveiled our plans. I've only been there for a year and I've gotten some really great support from our county and state officials. So we are starting the um, phase. Exploratory phase. No, no, not that one. The one where you draw the building, the scope. Oh, the scope. Yeah, Yeah. drawing it out. The architects are about to make us a nice, pretty building. And then after that, we go forward with planning and trying to get the rest of the money, fundraising and getting it getting it there. So I'm blessed. I'm excited. This is going to be just a really wonderful addition to our community in Howard County. Well, thank you so much for your time, Daria. And thank you for stepping away over here at WDI. I know that um, the AACC family is excited to have you at your sessions um, coming up. So thank you so much for your time. And I am excited to see what's in the future. All right. Watch me work. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap on my time with Daria. First, I want to say, Dr. Willis, thank you so much for giving us your time. I am excited to check back with you in a year to see how things are going. And I also am excited about the fact that this episode can be found at www.deepdivestv.com, or you can listen to season one and two in the same place. And if you like podcasts, you can also find Deep Dives with Tramika Benjamin at your favorite podcast subscription service. Thank you for tuning in to Deep Dives with Tramika Benjamin and thank you for listening to Dr. Daria Willis.